0: I am the rock kind of podcasting Charles McFall and it's been a hot minute since I have been back at well the podcasting table as it were today I'm going to be talking about getting a seat at the table what that really means and what what yeah you know how it affects your life all that stuff so yeah man that's that's what I'm gonna be working on but as you know facebook's not perfect so i gotta get everything set up as we do it live i think facebook was founded by uh you know what a really funny joke if i hadn't just spaced on his name but the guy who is famous for being on fox news and trying to record a pre thing and, and he's like fuck it we'll do it live and i, I don't i never watched him so i, I just know the the main part of that um so yeah i i sorry i'll let you down it is saturday morning it is going to be saturday morning uh probably for the foreseeable future, there's been some changes in my life. There's been some things that have gone on, and I want to tell you all about that as I share this out. So one of the changes is that now, but part of my hustle, I still do everything I was doing before. Uh and I can't I can't type. <laughs> Come watch me do the seat at the table episode finally now. All right. Got that. Let's post it. Heart, share, like, all that jazz, people. That's what I need you to do. Uh, So what has changed is as part of my hustle, I have gotten a day gig, right? So what that means for me is, uh, well, I'll fill you in what it is. So uh, I've talked about the EMS Underground. I do that on Facebook Live as well. In fact, it inspired, EMS Underground inspired the changes to Rock Out of Podcasting that has gotten more fluidity to it now i know for the last month more or less i haven't been able to do a show Mm, hadn't been able to probably the wrong words there's a knot in there you know how i feel about not but i've chosen for sometimes good reasons sometimes selfish lazy reasons to not do the show and i want big thank you to uh, Carl Dodge, so for my birthday he got me this Xenix 802 USB soundboard, which is one of the reasons why we can actually do the broadcast. I can do the broadcast today because the way I was getting audio into my computer before died. And it died just after Dragon Con, worked all through Dragon Con, which was great cuz we needed it to work all through Dragon Con. And I get at home and I I don't know if it's just it already been having issues. It already been having issues, so it just kind of gave up the ghost. And I didn't tell Carl that. I, I was just saying, "Hey, man, you got you got a, a beat up soundboard. Maybe I could use just to, this and that and the other." And all of a sudden, at my front door, is this nice, beautiful soundboard. So, thank you, Carl. And to that end, I'm not just doing one episode today. I'm doing two episodes today. So, what that means is, after I finish this current episode, because uh, I wanted to do seated at the table. Now it is Saturday morning, and some got coffee going on right now. Uh, But I wanted to do Seat at the Table. So I'm going to do that as its own episode for sure first. But now, after that, because of some things that my wife has done that's been awesome and some other people who helped her do some awesome stuff have done, I'm going to do Words Mean Things after this. And it's going to be talking about my birthday and uh, little things that play into that. And I've talked about my birthday a little bit in the past, but stay tuned for that if you're here on Facebook Live. And, of course, on the podcast, it'll be a separate episode right behind this one. So Seat at the Table. Did I tell you? Did I tell you, though? Rock out of podcasting, nominated for a podcast award. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate that. Podcastawards.com. Uh, September 30th is when they're going to do the announcements, and uh, hope, I hope I win. That'd be awesome. So here's what a seat at the table means in general, and then I'm going to go back to how it developed in my life and everything else that's gone on. A seat at the table, the best analogy for this, right, is the holidays with the family, and you've got the adult table. And you got the kids' table, right? That analogy gets played out through all kind of different ways and means of people putting other people down. Now, you got You got. You're not good enough. You got to sit at the kids' table, or you know, minor leagues to the major leagues, those kind of things. So, a seated table for me means I belong. I deserve to be here. I am an equal, and I'm bringing who I am to the table. Now, if you've listened to me for. For any length of time, you know that I have an issue with self-esteem. Not as much, nearly anymore. It definitely has been. It's definitely been toned down, to say the least. But I, I, I've always felt like, for the longest time in my life, I felt like that I didn't belong at the table. That other people were better than me. That I would never. Get anywhere, But at the same time, I felt like I have, I do, I am, I am worthy. I am destined for fame and, and glory and, and greatness. And that is a hard, hard path to balance. Because you're believing one thing, you're not worthy, but you're, everything in you is telling you you are worthy, but you can't prove it, right? Because you're doing stupid, unworthy things. So let's talk about the seat at the table. Let's talk about the bad things together. Now, you see it in kids all the time. You see it in kids. My kids specifically want to be a part of the conversation. And this, for I'm going to always call it the seat of the table for this particular episode, but that could be interchangeable, right? Part of the conversation, adding to it. Want to be connected. You want to be valued. You want to know that something you brought meant something to somebody. And so kids, my kids specifically, will jump into the middle of a conversation. Well, you know, this is it. And it's just just ignorant, right? It's just childish. It's just young. And that's what children are. And I'm actually having an issue with my daughter, Crosby, right now because of my issues about the seat at the table, about knowing that I always made up stories to make myself feel better and seem better and, be awesome because we watch stupid TV, right? We watch, uh, even in my day, the Disney Channel came around, and you're watching somehow these kids do this stupid crap and you can relate to them. But then all of a sudden, they're heroes and the school celebrates them because it's fucking TV and it's stupid. And it puts these false images into our minds of what connectivity should mean. And I've been trying to change that with my kids, for sure. I've been trying to teach them that connectivity means being a part of somebody's life, changing somebody's life. You, you, The littlest thing, man, you help out a family in need, in their time of need, and it is nothing to you. Let's say you had an extra room. Okay, Dragon Con. Dragon God, I had a whole basement here. And I had a whole bunch of guys that wanted to come to DragonCon that I wanted to be at DragonCon. They're part of the giant Size team-up crew. They're my team. They're my family. I wanted them here. Well, me included. Financially, it's difficult to travel to a con, any kind of con outside of your city. Basically, breaks down to a thousand dollars for the week weekend, if not more. You know, uh, a day trip to Chicago when I went for Pokemon Go Fest, it was roughly eight hundred bucks was the the budget that I'd come up with. And that was shoestring budget, it was eight hundred dollars, right? So, I've gone to Vegas for three or four days for a con, and it was a thousand. It's a little over a thousand dollars. So it's not necessarily the days or where you go. It just seems to break down that if you travel outside of your area, it's, it's a good amount of money, an amount of money that is hard to justify spending when you live every day on a shoestring budget, or when you're making ends meet, but you don't have the extra there. And well, yes, you can, in certain situations, write this off, right, as uh, tax deductible, right? It's a business expense. You can write it off. I had a business partner at one point. Well, a guy I did business with. He was always uh, I was saying, No, I, there's no way I can come up with that money. Oh, man, but you just write it off. It's a business expense. But you have to fucking spend it ahead of time, jackass. I don't have $1,000 to go do XYZ. Just because you got a hair up your fucking ass. You know, and you're like, oh, it's so great. And then it turns out it's not great because I know my world and you don't. So I know what you're going into and you don't. So I know it's not worth a $1,000. I'm going to do that. Write-off or no write-off. And that, that, uh, that just means you don't pay as much taxes as a write-off means. So I still have to spend the money. So I made a difference for my crew. I opened up my house, my home, food. You know, we said, we're going to do our best to feed you. Here's the menu. You know, it wasn't like fancy. It was portable sandwiches because we're going to be gone all day. I already know how Dragon Con works. We made sure we made plenty of room. We squeezed, we squeezed the full amount of people we could in here. Six adults added to our house of six people already. That was, that was the limit. Now, they were great. Everybody was amazing, polite, great house guests. My wife is not lying, and my wife never lies. She would just say, hey, thanks, bye. If she if she didn't like you, she told everybody, no, hey, you have uh, you're welcome to come back. You're all great guests. You did well. You're welcome to come back. And the fact is, at Dragon Con, we're gone most of the time. We're just there first thing in the morning. It's a little crazy. And we're last thing at night. It's a little crazy. And then, of course, Monday when we did the giant size team up barbecue, hangout, dinner, whatever you want to call it. And uh, of course, I counted it as my birthday party because it's close enough to my birthday. And they are my family. And that's who I want to celebrate with. That was amazing. And that's, that was more than 12 people. Or more, yeah, because we had other people come in extra for that as well who had been staying in other places. So that was fun. So that's the difference it made. So the little difference, and it made all the difference, right? Not having to pay for lodging, not having to pay for food really brought that number down to where, okay, I can find an airplane ticket or I can drive. For Chris Wisdom, I think it was a 10- or 12-hour drive. But I can drive that because you're going to take care of the rest of it. It was great. It was perfect. That's the difference you make. That's connectivity. That's a seat at the table. That's part of being in the conversation. You matter because you're meeting a need in somebody's life. But what we get is this this stupid vision of Disney. I fucking hate the Disney Channel. I mean, there's nothing specifically wrong with any one of their shows. There's nothing I can go it's not like Walmart where I could I could do a whole goddamn show on Walmart and why it's it's I want to bring them to their knees at some point as a corporation they they have fucked over the American people and the world and they are the cancer that is the lowest form of retail. But that's neither here nor there. I could I could I could go on about the things that I I could tell you why I could start a movement I could I could get it done. When I say I hate Disney, it's not that not is it's out of that category. When I, I hate Disney because of the false hope that it gives, the false images that it gives. There's there is no, there's rare, very rare scenarios at anything outside of sports that an entire group of people are gonna cheer you in high school or lower. It can happen. I saw it happen at a talent show where all the parents were they support all the kids. Everybody's cheering. They're clapping. But when one kid really came out and did some cool stuff, you could hear a difference. There was a definitely different energy to the cheering and the supporting of that. So there are opportunities there. But what we get from the Disney Channel, what we get growing up is this only way i matter is if i do this crazy cool thing and then everybody thinks i'm the hero and the reason i'm having a problem with my daughter now about that she literally just came home and there's some (coughs) there's a class that she does i forget what it is she's in fifth grade so the end of uh, elementary school and there's a new teacher and a new teacher's trying creative stuff and i get that hey tom how's it going man uh And Tom, Tom is the one who got me my day gig, by the way, and has allowed me to do some great things in the office there and, and still work on media. And that's that's what's changed. That's why now the show is going to be on Saturday mornings, is which is good. Now that I have a schedule Monday through Friday, it can't be like, uh, you know what, I don't feel like it tomorrow. I'm going to do my show today. I mean, I don't feel like it today. I'll do my show tomorrow. Now it's uh, I got I got a day job Monday through Friday. So, now, so perfect. Saturday mornings, I'll get up. I'll do Rock Out of Podcasting. And I'll move on. And I agree with Tom. Disney makes kids look smarter than the parents. They make them look smarter than most adults. There's one exception. And he's not a parent. He's the butler. But I think it's the characters. It may just be called Jesse. But the characters, again, some teenager that somehow gets a job babysitting six kids in this upscale New York apartment. And hijinks ensue. But he's actually almost always right. But other than that, Disney does make him look smarter than the parents, which is a bad thing as well. Because when you're trying to get a seat at the table, when you're trying to be a part of that conversation as a fifth grader or my my son's a seventh grader, my two youngest ones haven't really, they haven't done this yet. But when you try to have that conversation and you've been taught by watching the TV that you're smarter than the adults and you add some stupid shit to the conversation. And then you get an attitude about it because, of course, you're right. Because everything you've watched has told you, you're smarter than those big people sitting over at the other end of the table. That's that's horrible. And that screws up our path. Now, that plays into adulthood, and we'll get to that because the other thing I noticed with my children, my two youngest ones, if the older ones are telling a story from school, my son Ryland, who's in kindergarten, he has to tell a story from school. He has to make one up if yes. And so does Zoe, who is born in pre-K. They all everybody wants to be included. That's human nature. We all want to be included. Now, being an adult and being aware of who you are means learning when you don't belong at that table. It means learning that you have nothing to add to that conversation. And that's the stuff that I've I've noticed at Dragon Con. So I'll tell you my path at, at Dragon Con. And I'll tell you it actually might work into uh, EMS Underground and and Georgia Institute of EMS there, but with Dragon Con. So as I grew up, I've always wanted that. I've always wanted to be a part of it. The- Let me tell you something stupid I did. All right, all right, here comes the stupid Charles story. Because even with the Disney Channel, and I did have that, but I had other things. I mean, everything, everything kid tells you, this is how you get a seat. This is how you do. And so I was all I was always doing stupid stuff. <laughs> Man, just too many stories are flooding in. But I was always doing things I thought would be cool that really just got me mocked, right? Just to try to be cool, to try to be at the table. Yeah, it plays into high school with the cool kids versus the uncool kids and this and that and the other. And thank you, Tom, for the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. And I got to college. All right, now here's the thing. When you're trying to be a cool kid, when you're trying to have that seat at the table, you don't always realize you have a seat already. And you're just being a jackass. So I was the guy people wanted to be around through high school. I just couldn't really realize it because I was I was very much carrying damage and self-esteem issues and not looking at the reality around me. So I just I missed all of this stuff. I mean, I, I've told some stories where I, I did I did some TV stuff. I mean, I do TV stuff. I mean, it's it's not all TV is bad, <laughs> not, not all TV is fake. And I've done some stuff on TV, uh, uh, where, where, like TV, whereas uh, the first girlfriend I ever had, I happened to swing by this girl's place. Uh, not her, but her friend's place. Because my buddy was hot for for this this one girl. And I'm like, hey, we got a bunch of movies. Let's swing by and see if she'll come hang out with us. I'll hook you up, man. I'll be your wingman. It won't be awkward because it'll just be the three of us hanging out, but then you can hit on her, whatever you want to do. And this is all in high school. And... You know, we get there and she has this really hot, blonde, stacked female friend. And I'm like, how are you doing? So, we ended up with a double date essentially. And I've told the story about the awkward moment where we're watching, uh, it's a Sylvester Stallone Sharon Stone movie about thieves. I can't think of what it's called right now, but of course, Sharon Stone, as she did often, got naked and you know, she had the body for it, so it's fine. But as Teenage guys and teenage girls, you're just sitting there. It really gets awkward in the room, right? You're watching because we didn't expect it. We're watching Sylvester Stallone do his thing, and the girls are just kind of I, I don't know if they liked it or not. Uh, judging from my wife and what she does for me now, as far as watching content, uh, she'll tag along just because she wants to be with me. So she may hate the she may have nothing interesting to do with the media but she will, I just said that so awkwardly and so stupid, but she will be there and watch it because I want to watch something. So maybe the girls were doing that, I don't know, but my, my buddy and I were watching this film and they were with us and girl gets naked and I mean, as soon as that scene's over, I immediately pick up the TV remote and go, boop! I turn the TV off, like, hey, I'm done, I saw all I needed to see. You know, tension broke, everybody laughs. TV cool kid moment. That was just a natural part of who I was. I wasn't trying to be the cool kid. I wasn't trying to have a seat at the table. I definitely wasn't trying to impress any girls. I was just awkward, done, click. So I was doing cool kid stuff and not realizing it. And I get to college, and I just had this desire for people to celebrate me, for people to to cheer for me, for people to connect with me. And I was going about it so wrong. So I'm at this gymnasium in college, and it, it, it was this organized – organized mixers, activity night kind of thing. And a bunch of people are there, and stuff's going on. I'm sitting up on top of these bleachers that weren't laid out. I'd climbed up on them because I'm cool like that, right? And I was sitting up there. I cannot remember what led up to it, but I felt this energy going. And I literally stood up, (laughs) in 80s movie style, put my hands over my head, and screamed my own name. And luckily, it was so loud, nobody saw the epic, stupidity, embarrassing moment of that. And I don't know why I would have done that. And that's never how it goes. You can't, you can never say, I belong at the table. I belong at the table. No, you don't. If you have to say it, you don't. You have no place at the table. If you have to tell me that what you believe, fill in the blank, okay, I believe cigarettes are wrong, or smoking. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that liberals are better than, I almost said liberals are better than Democrats, but liberals are better than Republicans, or vice versa. Fill in the blank. I believe this. If you have to punch me in the face to get me to believe it, you don't believe it. And actually, Thomas, here, so I will use him as a good example of a, I guess, you, a Christian faith, Christian faith a man of faith i'm just gonna say that i honestly kind of hate the word christian now because so many people have co-opted it and done bad shit with it but as a good man of faith tom never lets anything i do waver his beliefs and he never says well charles you know in the bible no tom talks to me like a human being and it comes out in every day of what he does of what he believes so if you have to Yell at me to get me to believe what you believe for you to believe it. You have zero belief. Tom's the opposite of that. He's actually one of the few people I can stand to be around who is an active man of faith in a church, in a, a, a system of belief. Now I'm a man of faith, but I, have, I stay away from systems of belief all day long. And that's dealt with in my episode called Religion Versus Faith. It's uh, it's not on Facebook. It's on rockoutapodcasting.com. I was doing just audio then. But so when I stood up to yell my own name, right? That's not going to get anybody to to acknowledge me, to think I'm cool. It was so epically, God, man, that is so burning in my brain. Because as soon as I did that, I went, Oh, what are you doing? It, it was the lowest, one of the lowest points in my life, to be honest. It was horrible. And then, so it, it though, that and other things that happened at that school shattered a lot of false beliefs, and that's problem number one with wanting to see the table. You think you want to see the table, it's the wrong table, because growing up, you are infused with your parents' beliefs. You are infused by your own community's beliefs, by the things that are around. And a lot of stuff we quote fingers believe until you know why you have no idea what you truly believe. And I'm speaking from experience. I used to hate, and I mean the angry dripping venomous word hate gay people because that's what i thought we were doing i used to hate well to be honest i hated myself i mean let's just start there let's just start there to be honest when you hate you hate you start with yourself and then you put it out on other people to make yourself feel better until i right, said so i hated that i hated people who slept around you know, i hated all these things that that were a misunderstanding of What I was being taught Sometimes Sometimes it was a true understanding Of what I was being taught I was being taught incorrectly And Tom you make a good point I'm going to play that in here And so I I hated Girls who slept around You know Until a really good friend of mine Got pregnant And I didn't hate her But I'm supposed to hate Because obviously she slept With somebody outside of marriage This is in high school She got pregnant but I liked her. She was a friend, and now I'm stuck going. I don't, I, I don't know what to do with this because I believed I was supposed to hate people like her. But I like her, and I'm looking at the human being situation of this, going. But you're, you're having to deal with your life changing, and it's not my life that's changing; it's your life, and ultimately, I let go of that. And then I hated gay people until I met a guy who was gay and also damaged. I mean, lots of, lots of damage in his life that made I mean made my damage look like surface wounds to the damage he had. I, I loved Marcus. I thought he was the coolest guy that I could really because I couldn't fit in with anybody. But with Marcus, he never judged me. I could fit in with him, and so I'm like, how how. How am I supposed to take it? I even told him one day he was asking me because he knew I was a Southern Baptist preacher kid. My dad was an active Southern Baptist preacher in the city that we're both in. And I was still living in his home. And Mark has asked me basically how I can hang out with him and still have my beliefs. And at the time, my weak ass line of reason, because he was not pushing me, but he was getting me to question the same time I'm trying to get you to question. Why do you believe what you believe? Because if we talk today, I'll tell. I can lay out with confidence what I believe, and if you disagree with me, we can talk. But it will not change who I am. It will not change the power that I have, which is you have power. It is who you are. And I told him, hate the sin, you know, love the sinner. And he he said, well, that just makes me feel hated. And he goes, I don't think you believe that. I'm like, well, yeah, I believe that. He goes, really? Because I don't feel like you hate me. But if but if you hate the sin, and I'm, that's all I'm doing then you would hate me. It was very confusing that he was right. He was right. And I had to go figure out what I believed And And what Tom says here, that's a reference a second ago. You cannot change people. You can only change yourself. set a positive example for other people who to want to believe or change. And that's called leadership. Leadership, the rogue warrior, Richard Marchinko, summed up leadership perfectly well. He said, leadership is follow me. That's, that's leadership. So... Part of getting a seat at the table is understanding, one, what you truly believe about what you're trying to talk about. Because if you believe some crap that you haven't gone through, you believe what somebody's told you instead of figuring out for yourself what you believe, it will ring false. It will be hollow. And you can make a billion dollars on it. Motivational speakers do it all the time. Preachers do it all the time. What is If you're in the Christian circles, if you're in the church groups, what's the big uh uh well now we'd call it a meme it wasn't a meme before but the big joke is the preachers who preached loudest about gays are going to burn in hell get caught in a hotel room with a guy you know the, the male preacher and typically it is male preachers who are preaching that uh the guys the who yell the loudest about corruption go down for not paying their taxes and for hiding millions of dollars and because they don't believe it, and that's the thing. It'll come out. It'll ring. Yeah. Everything means something in life. The energy we have, the energy we put out, the words we use, how we treat people, what we believe about ourselves, changes everything about the universe we live in. So you can't get a seat. At, you'll never get a seat at the table if you don't understand what you believe. You'll never get a seat at the table. If you're just regurgitating what other people are saying, that's why the children get, or at the children's table, because they will sit there and just repeat what they've heard on TV or repeat what they think they should have or what they think you want to hear. And that's been a hard time disciplining my kids, is when I, I had to learn different ways to talk to them. I had to learn to bring my anger down, my energy down to get them to talk to me. Because very often when I'd, I'd yell at my, I was just picking my son this time. I've been, I've been talking about my daughter. I've been, I got Oakland for something. And I want him to really tell me what was going through his head. But all he's telling me is what he thinks I want to hear. Because he's just in trouble. And oh my God, this I, I, I got to get out of this trouble. And I had to work on getting past that, both in how I'm acting towards him. Because I realized what my actions, my energy, my my put out to him is getting this response of panic. And I'll just, i just tell him whatever he wants to hear to get him to go away. Is, is uh, I gotta go. And I had to change that, right? I had to fix that. I'm trying to see where to go from here. I think I'll go to my adult life here. But that's, so all you know, you, we do all these things. So, oh, the school. So different things at the school. Different things that happened. You know, from that moment, me standing up being an idiot. That, gra- gratefully to the universe, nobody saw. Everybody was so busy doing other cool stuff, in- ignoring the idiot and the bleachers, that I never had to live that down. I- it was just a me thing. and I've carried it with me forever. It's kind of like an uh, alcoholic's coin, the chip, right? You carry it with you always. I carry that with me to remind me of doing things the right way because that was the worst possible way to get what I wanted out of life. And I started to change and other things. So I came home from that school. Life had really changed for me. And and during that time as well, a dear, dear friend of mine, uh, James Spencer, died. And he had, I always get it wrong, muscular dystrophy or muscular sclerosis. One of these days I'll actually look it up. I know the difference. One is you can live out your life. You get it older in age and your muscles, you know, ultimately my, my uncle had the old version. The other one is it's a young person killer. You, you're born with it. Um, you really lose muscle control very early in life, and a lot of times you don't live past 21. And he didn't. And I met him when he's in a wheelchair, and I got close to him. And, and I could I need to tell that story. I haven't told that story in a very long time. I'm not going to do it here because this is about seat at the table. But about what you do can change people's lives. Accepting people at where they are, that's a show I need to do because that's exactly what changed my life. That's the pin. That's the pin. There's very rare times in my life. I've watched it on TV. I've never had that TV moment of where I could go, this event changed the course of my future. I mean, I was going here, 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 bang, and now I'm going there. Him, I can do that. That's the pin that changed from me being an idiot to me being the Rock Out of Podcasting. I'll talk about that on another show. But that happened during this time in life. So my life is changing. All the things I thought I believed are falling apart. Uh, Just Now I'm just trying to figure out the why of everything and what's going on. So that gets me on the path of podcasting and what I've been doing there. And for the entirety of the 12 years I've been podcasting, my whole thing was without the words. I'll credit Armored at Mon for bringing the words to my life, helping others be awesome. You know, it helps if I, as a professional, turn my phone ringer off. <laughs> but when podcasting, it was always, oh, man, you're doing an awesome thing. How can I help you be awesome? Oh, man, oh, woman, even, you're doing an awesome thing. How can I help you be awesome? And that is just how I built this entire career was I feel like I'm awesome. I definitely feel like you're awesome. All right, should I do the rose tan, Carl? I feel like you're awesome. See, that's the difference, Carl. Shark fin, no shark fin. Good, bad. Good Carl, bad Carl. (laughs) But it's helping others be awesome is how I've built the whole thing. I think I'm awesome. I think you're awesome. And now that's not a universal truth. I mean, if I'm trying to work with you and trying to connect with you, um, if I'm working with you, it's because I think what you're doing is an awesome thing that's going to change the universe and make the world a better place. And that's what I've built my whole entire podcasting career on. And so I've really been surprised at how well that works, how well that gets you a seat at the table. Because going in and saying, oh, you know, I do this and here, let me give you a few ideas and never take. I never go, well, here's a part of an idea, and if you want the rest of it, it's behind this paywall, and you can hire me as a consultant. I always thought, no, information should be shared. And guess what? Somebody who made their career as a great thing thought the exact same thing and emboldened me. And his name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and he did the book Crush It. And he's done a bunch of other things since, but he did Crush It, and that's I got that when it came out. And I'm like, that's what I've been talking about. Information is meant to be shared. If I'm seeing that you're doing something that I could, it's going to take you a year to figure out you're doing it wrong, but I can tell you right now, hey, here's try this, it'll go better, and I save you a year of time. Why wouldn't I do that? But so many people think the opposite. Oh, no, it's my trade secrets. This is my thing. Is mm. There are times when legalities are withstanding, right? There are times when you have the secret sauce. And it literally is something that you can patent and protect. There are ways to do that. I'm talking about creatively, universally, human connection, if I know something that can help you, why would I never share it with you? And I, I do. I, I know early on in podcasting, when people were getting a seat at the podcasting table, right? And I'm a podcaster. I'm they would hide their lives. They would not share information with other podcasters. They would, oh, this person put my stuff on their side. It's your, your voice. I mean, that, here's, here's the number one principle about podcasting. You're introducing yourself at the beginning. It's your voice. And that's not something that can just be cut out. Now, if they're taking your ideas and stealing them, that's on you to figure out how you want to handle it. But people are like, oh, I'm, I'm a, my podcast showed up on this other person's site. Okay, and? That'd be awesome to me. Somebody took what I did and loved it so much, they put it on the site. Now, if I find out about it, I'm going I'm to reach out to you like, hey, thank you for loving what I do and putting me on your site. However, because I run a business, I need the numbers. So here, if you can use this redirect code, so I can just see how many downloads you're getting. That's all I need. But thank you for loving what I do. <laughs> but in the early days there was no there were no ads. There was no real tracking. I mean, we started tracking things, but there was no point to it other than ego, right? To see you had six people listening or six hundred people listening or whatever. But it meant nothing then. And people were freaking out about it. And I made it a goal of mine. I, I was very adamant, very vocal about it in the community, going, No, take everything I do. I don't care because you're not me. You never will be me. You can take my topics. You can take my words. You can transcribe it and memorize it and requote it as your own thing. It won't, it'll never do as well as what it did for me because I have the energy on it. I'm the creator of it. I'm joint creation with the universe on it, right? So, yeah, you can, you can do it all day long and never give me credit. It won't work for you because you are different than I am. Steal away. I don't care. And that's how I've been throughout the entirety of podcasting, is let me just help you. Let me give you an idea. Never grabbing your coattails, right, to ride your star. Never grabbing your wallet to take your money. Always just giving. And that made such a huge explosion that the very first con I went to. Now, I went to this con. And because of who I am and how I've done all of this, instantly when I'm there, all the higher-ups, all the big names, all the people who were there speaking – That the community recognizes, like, oh, my God, you're Dave Jackson. Oh, my God, you're Ray Ortega. Oh, my God. Fill in the blank. Uh, I want to throw out one more, uh, Ramen Noodle, Daniel, Daniel J. Lewis. Uh, I had connected with all of those guys and done what I did. You know, be friends, have them on my show, connected with their community. I'm the best-kept secret in podcasting, man. I've connected with just about everybody. That's anybody, because anytime I think you're doing something awesome, I just reach out and tell you you're doing something awesome. And can we do a little something awesome together? You know, be on a show together, have, have, have an interview, have a moment, and it's always a giving thing, and it's been fun. So I show up at this conference with my friend, with Armour mon actually, and I've never been to a con before, not this kind of con, a professional conference for podcasters. For and, you know, people, crowds are gathering around, not huge crowds, but people were gathering around the names I just told you because they recognize them because those guys have been working hard and been out in front of the media, and I'll be honest i I had no idea what my path should have been through podcasting. I tried a whole bunch of crap that just didn't work. Had I stayed consistent, I would have been there, but I didn't I, I was in incons- was my path is my path is my own, right My path was one of learning, of discovering who I am through talking, through sharing, through living the podcast. And that's not for everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same as Rock God. This show is not for everybody because you, sometimes you're not ready for the truth that I bring. Sometimes you can't handle the concepts I throw down. Sometimes I want to piss you off and you don't know why. It's because you're dealing with something in your life. And some people just want surface stuff. Some people want to hear about pop culture. Some people want to hear about tech and the ins and outs of it. So, Okay. My point is, I go to this con, and four or five people, or six people, are, are gathered around. I remember it was it was uh, Daniel, so I went to see if we could check in uh, for the con early, and and the desk was already closed. And Daniel was there, and he calls me out, "Hey, Charles, hey man," and we go and we do the hug thing, and you see, I'm I'm still at this point in my life thinking I'm nobody, nobody. And he gives me, you know, we. But I knew him, and he knew me, and we were friends, and we. Did the hug thing, and, and you you look at the people's faces, going, "Who the hell is this guy that Daniel left us to talk to him?" Same thing with Dave Jackson. He's going down the hall, and people are, like, "Oh, there's Dave Jackson," and he and I connect, and we we hug, and we we talk for a minute, um, and I move on, and people are in my morning at that point, like, "Holy crap, you actually know everybody." I'm like, ah, okay." Um, I mean, he's he's fanboying. He's fanboying because he listens to these guys, and I just never had that concept. For me, it can, a conversation is a connection. So if I listen to you, I reach out and say I love what you do, and if we connect, then we start talking, and I connect with just about everybody I reach out to. So, but new people who I had never met, I'm meeting them, and they're just becoming friends because of that whole "Let me help you be awesome." That we were both doing. Morton and I were both doing that. And and I made some interesting friends that year. That I'm still friends with. And that has led to everything I've done to go into Dragon Con. And I'm at Dragon Con the first year, same thing. I'm actually helping somebody else be awesome by being there for them. You know, I got paid to go. Oh, well, I didn't get paid. They bought my ticket to go there and do research on how that con works and what they could do better at their con and and do interviews that we could use and, and this and that and the other and, and and spread the word about their conference. And so I do what I do. I just start adding to the conversation by asking questions. Real questions, things that I want to know or things that I have thoughts on that maybe I can't share because it's not the right venue, but here, here's a question. And I'm going to go in a different direction. And that ultimately got me to this year at dragon con being on 13 14 panels and now some of that was uh, on the moderator you know I wasn't on all those panels but i was the moderator on a number of those and they counted it got me it's gotten me pro status at dragon con it's gotten me to st- be able to work with so many great people even i want to say chris gore love chris gore loved him on pod crashers Didn't realize because I couldn't. I came to him or he came to me. However you want to say it, I discovered him through podcasting, and it's called the Podcrashers. Was his whole concept of the show was he took over somebody else's show, and I'm I'm sure that he reached out and lined it up, whatever. But it was such an amazing concept to me. Like oh, and I was like, I want you to come be take over my show. Now I was I was a little nobody show. Honestly, don't even remember if I reached out to him or not. But I remember going thinking. God, I wish you would take over my show. That'd be so cool. It's such a great concept. That was eight years ago. Now, turns out Chris Gore was on TV for a long time. He was on Attack of the Show on G4. And he's done a bunch of other great things since. But that's that's where I was. So when I found out he's going to be a celebrity at DragonCon, and he was going to be our celebrity, podcast track celebrity, I said, I want to be on a panel with him. So I lined up a panel to be on with him. And we had a great panel because i'm sitting here giving my view and my advice and he's giving his and it's syncing up and it's connecting and i went up to talk to him afterwards and said, man and i said it publicly too he's like i love pie crashers this and that and the other and because uh, he was there talking about the newer stuff and a lot of people didn't know about his older stuff in fact i think i might have been one of the only ones in the room that knew about his older stuff besides the tv stuff his old podcast so i, I was talking to him about you know i mentioned that which as a creator, like, oh, man, cool, thanks, you know. I appreciate that you actually listened back then and did that. And that I still carry a special place in my heart for it. And I'm literally in a seat at the table. That's what I'm telling you, is by, by just saying, here's how I can help, what can I do for you today? And it's been, I... Got food for Brian Dunaway many years because I noticed an important thing to me is people need to eat and they need to rest. Well, I know as a director of the track, you're busy. And I'd ask him, have you eaten yet, man? Have you eaten yet? Finally, I stopped asking just went and got him something to eat. So here you go. Oh, man, it changed him because he felt like he couldn't leave. And I, I get it. As, as When you're running stuff, you've got to make sure stuff is going. And these are 10-hour days, 15-hour days sometimes. And so bringing up food just made every all the difference there's a need that had to be met and i met it for him with no no here's the receipt you can pay me back nothing in fact he tried to pay me back once i was like no i got this man just just eat i just i saw you're taking care of everybody and nobody's taking care of you i can take care of you no worries so i earned a seat not earned by working but earned by showing who i am and going i know who i am this information i get a seat at the table man uh, the the first year i got i put in a or the first year i went the second year i put in a panel and got the panel because they thought it was a, a crazy good idea the next year i got three panels one i put in no two i put in i think and one they asked me to be on i finally got asked to do something it was great and then this year you know just being a, a huge part of what goes on with dragon con And influencing the content and, and bringing the message to the point that this year many people said they they want to be more a part of Dragon Con. They want to be on more panels. They thought it was amazing. And back to Chris Gore, talking to him about, man, I've always wanted to to meet you and talk with you as a podcaster, a podcaster. When I saw you're going to be here, I made sure to put this panel together so that we could sit and talk, even if it's not at, with each other. There's still a lateral to the vertical, right? Even though you're putting information out, sometimes you can get an argument. Sometimes you have different opinions. That That is interesting. That breaks the lateral, right? It just goes out. But most of the time at Dragon Con, or in my case, most of the time when I'm at a table, I'm connecting laterally as well with my fellow panelists. And we were just building on each other's message. So I'm talking to him. He's like, Yeah, dude, that's amazing. Thank you for you know, mentioning Pod Crashers, and, and we talked, and he, he said, you know, if Jack and Connell have me back, I'd love to do, I'd love to come back, I'd love to do more of this, more working, you know, with you, and not with me specifically, but with the track. Um, well, I mean, he, he definitely indicated that we, he had the same thing as I did. We had a great lateral there. So let's get into the final part of Seat at the Table, because this is where... This becomes important because we do this in jobs. We do Kissing ass is, is the worst way to do it. For men or women, sleeping your way up the ladder is the worst way to do it. Being true to who you are. And that's that's part of what I said. Being an adult, part of being an adult is understanding there's some tables you never want to seat at. There's some conversations you have nothing to add. So if you have to go against your nature, go against who you are, if you have to put away who you are to get where you, quotey fingers, want to be, because then you can change things, you're just changing you. It's never the seat you want to have if you have to change yourself to be in it. And I've that principle I've understood for a very long time. Didn't mean I acted out of it. Didn't mean I believed it. Because if you believe it, you live it. But I knew it. I, mean, I remember being 21, 22, and saying the same thing Tom said you cannot change people, you can only change yourself. And yet, went on for a few years, many years, to try to change other people instead of myself. We can know things without believing them, without having a full understanding of them. So there's two principles that I've noticed in this whole entire story. You know, as I went through it, I noticed them. One was I realized I was onto something early on and going to some of these, before Dragon Con, but some of the other cons I went to, that we'd meet people. I'm always enthusiastic, and I'm always, man, this is what I do, and I love what I do, and, and just as addictive. I realized I was addictive. And I realized that's what I learned the hard way not everybody who wants to be a part of what you do really truly understands what you do or who you are and wants to do what you do. And we had these guys who meant well, who were cool. Uh, there are aspects to it. I, I never want them to feel like I'm calling them out. It's just a lesson I learned through them. Is how I view it. It was never personal to them. It was never negative on them. It was just how I learned it. And they got all excited about what I was doing. Now I had partners in this, but I just want to keep it to me. They got all excited about what I was doing and where I was going and this and that. And, and hey, let's do this. And hey, that's awesome, awesome. So we're, I'm seeing all oh, these doors might be opening because, again, I had a false principle of, oh man, if just the right person sees what I'm doing, it will happen. <coughs> nope. No. Because when you do what you do, when you are who you are and you're true to that, pathways are made. Never doors are open. Never big breaks. Pathways are made that just line up. And when pathways are made, that's when your life takes off. You know, uh, the saying is, most most overnight sens- sensations are 10 years in the making. Sometimes they're a lifetime. I mean, if you look at Tiger Woods, a lifetime in the making. Michael Jackson, lifetime in the making. Now, Tiger Woods is probably a better overnight sensation than Michael Jackson story because of the whole how he's raised and this and that. And he took the U.S. by storm, you know, when his first pro-am or pro whatever he did. Well, that's because his daddy raised him for that. And your life can do that as well. And that's what my life did. I mean, my, my, i I imagine at some point when the rest of the world taps into who the hell I am and understands what I do, it might be this story of overnight sensations. Like, no, I've got documented history. At this point in my history, 12 years 2004, no. Yeah, 2004 to 14 is 10. So uh, let's see, 15, 16, 16. Yeah, 13. No, I just hit my 13. 13 years of podcasting. If tomorrow all of a sudden something miraculous happens and podcasting is huge in the news and I get discovered, I might be an overnight sensation because I did something special. 13 years in the making so far. But I have seats at many, many tables. The way you go about that wrong, is focusing on the wrong table you want to be at, right? Um, I've had people submit uh, panel ideas for Dragon Con, and I look at it going, how is this even a podcast? Much less, I mean, maybe you pitched it wrong. Maybe I just didn't understand. But the idea is to watch a singular video over and over and over again to see who breaks first, him or the co-host. And they wanted to do an hour-long Dragon Con panel of just that. That's a hard pass, sir. No, thank you. I just... I. Don't get the concept. I don't see why it'd be entertaining. And I can tell you, I know Dragon Con, and you obviously don't. That will never fly at Dragon Con. It would never do well. Uh, Tony's here, because I just interviewed a friend of mine who was on Twin Peaks one episode, and it let her finally get a series. She was grinding for 15 years. Exactly. Exactly, Tony. And I said, I'm going use an example of how you don't get a seat at the table. No, another way you don't get a seat at the table, Tony P. Henderson. It's thinking you don't belong at the table, Tony P. Henderson. Because I went after Tony P. Henderson <laughs> this year going, No, you need you do a great show. You absolutely belong here at this table doing this thing. And he left. <laughs> and he's back. But that's 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 how you miss a seat at the table, a miss being a part of a conversation. Is eat. Well, maybe you never have a desire to be a part of the conversation. That's fine. There have been many people, and I'm not saying Tony is like that, uh, but Tony, what I'm saying is, is when you think you have no place at that table, you'll never be at that table. And I know I went after you going, dude, you've got to be, I'm putting in a panel for you. You've got to do your show at DragonCon. You belong there. You killed it. By the way, I mean, he knows he killed it. I hope he knows he killed it. You and uh, uh, Betty and the guy who didn't talk a whole lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not Chris. It's, um, oh, man. Frick, I, I'm sorry I'm blanking on his name. I, I didn't mean to even bring up the show. but uh, And you're right, Tony. It's easy, it is so easy to sell yourself short. And that's something that I always, I always help people with. Because of my whole story I've just told here for the last uh, almost hour now, that I just felt like Casey, thank you. I didn't want to leave him. I was giving him a hard time. But Casey's an integral part to this show. I mean, the three of you have the, the magic sauce together. And, and you killed it. You killed it. And it was awesome. And I've always just wanted more out of my life I just I'm that guy who wants more and I've, I've felt like I've needed help and maybe my path was to never get help now that that's not entirely true I've had people help me okay I've had Dave Jackson help me out and I've had uh lots of other people that I, I you wouldn't know their names anyway but I'll forget them and then if they listen they'll be offended and I I hate when that happens and you start doing a list of something and then Oh yeah, totally Tim. Whatever your name is, I remember you, dude. Thanks for helping. And honestly, I'm getting past that guilt too, because I'm going to tell a story. I might, I might really harp on. I might be Tony P. Henderson's story. I might be talking about him all the time, and then someone's like, "Well, you know, what about me? You—that's not part of the story, man. And that's me. That's an internal thing. That's an internal thing. Nobody's ever done that to me. But yeah, you sell yourself short. You don't end up at the table. You want to be at the wrong table. You you and you get there, you're miserable. I, I had people go, like, I want to be on more panels. What panels are you gonna do? Love you, Tony, man. Be strong. Go do your show. It's awesome. But what, what what that's how you get at the table. Let me let me finalize with this. That's how you get to the table is you offer help. I'm gonna call out my business partners in a good way. Because this is the best story I have that's most recent to my life that I can wrap up with I got I've been nominated for many, many podcast awards, as has Brian Hibbett. the it is the first or second in New Media Expo that I went to. It might have been the first that I went to that had uh, they had an award they're going to do the awards there. The Podcast Awards. I was already nominated for. Leo Laporte was hosting, and it was a nice, small. It wasn't a super small room. It was a nice, cozy room, and packed out, standing room only. And as I'm sitting there, wanting to win, and wanting to win, and hoping I win, and you know, I notice a beautiful bald man sitting up front. I'm <laughs> like, hey, that's uh that's Coverville's Brian Nibbit, who we'd run in some of the similar circles. We had, we had. Had our names listed side by side in certain projects, but we never actually talked or met at that point. The closest I'd gotten to it was I'd emailed a show as I do. And when I love a show, I said, Oh, dude, I love this. You know, this particular thing that you did was amazing. I never knew that existed. Thank you for your show. And I signed off and he read it on the air and it was cool. But that was it. We didn't have a connection. And I said, Okay, I'm going to go up and introduce myself after the awards too. To Brian Ebert because I've always wanted to do that, and so I did, and that was it. He was—he is the nicest guy in podcasting. Absolutely, shook his hand, and he's like, he made me feel like I was the only person in the room talking to. Right? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you listening to the show. And I mean, he really connects with you. And I want to be like that guy. He—he he, everything you see about him really resonates as true and real. And I want to be like Brian Ebert. That year, I go to DragonCon for the first time. Uh was really wanting to do a podcast about this game I was playing. I approached Tom Merritt. I approached uh, uh, Jawbone Radio. Uh, Lynn Peralta, I approached Lynn. Because these are people, I'd interacted with Lynn before. I didn't interact with Tom. I just took a shot in the dark, right? Um, And, you know, I was asking people, and then I sat down with Brian Abbott to interview him, still not knowing him, just going to interview him, and saw that he was playing the game. We've told that story a bunch of times. A show was born. Off we go. And I'm nervous as shit, right? Because it's Brian Ibbitt. He is, by all means, one of the biggest names in the true podcasting community. Now, the outside world doesn't know him all that well outside of podcasting, but we do. He is one of the you know, He's one of the founding fathers of podcast because he knew who he was when he started and he stayed consistent and stayed strong and helped build and give and be awesome. So we do that show, and we really are clicking. We're really moving. Paul Klotz comes around. Guy had never heard of before. And he's a listener. And he he starts going, hey guys, uh, if you need I notice that you're not doing any blogging and stuff on your website, which would really help you out. Uh, if you need some help, I can do that. And he 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 brought a couple other ideas like, you know what? That actually is something that we didn't realize we were missing. Whatever it wasn't just a blogging, but some other stuff. Yeah that would be helpful. You you we could, we did an interview, we talked to him and sure, Paul, you know, you can help out. And he's the behind the scenes guy and he's helping. And I've told this story a bunch of times. There's a, a time when it wasn't going to be on the show and I was just we are just going to postpone and he goes, "Well, why don't you try using Paul? He seems to be a cool guy." And like, am mm. Not because of Paul, because of a history I'd had before. And one day, one day I'll actually tell. I don't think I've told the history story of why I didn't want Paul on the show. I was just told I didn't want Paul on the show because of my history. And one day I'll tell that history story. But I didn't want it by the all right, fine, whatever. And honestly, he did fine. And I went, okay, okay, because here's what happened with all of us: Brian, myself. The way we made our careers in podcasting was to give to others, to just be awesome and help others be awesome, to never take, to never say, I want this or you know, whatever. And now there's business stuff. Again, I'm drawing certain lines in the sand. I'm talking about creatively, universally give to others because Brian absolutely has great business practices. He's taught me a lot about business and about where to kind of keep things back and where to share things. And so Paul did the same thing. I love what you do. Can I help you do it better? Here's a problem, I see. Here's the solution. All right, done. Chris Wisdom, same way. Oh, well, Chris Wisdom is the ultimate great troll, right? And I do see you here. But I started talking about the partners before you got on, so shut up. Chris (laughs) Wisdom sent out this memo, not just to us. Or maybe you did send it to us. I don't remember how it came around. But I know the gist was, hey, there's this memo from from the company that made the game called Playdom. And you know, this end looked so good. And we, we read it like, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is pretty cool. Then it turned out it was a prank. It was hilarious. Then it turned out later on we figured out. Uh, he admitted uh a while later, he admitted that he was the one that did it. It was great. Great and then again, sense of humor, plugging into what we're doing, making what we're doing better. And we got to a point where we realized the game was gonna end. And Kotz and myself and Ibbit, Actually, I think before we got to a point where we realized the game was going to end, Chris said, Hey, here's some bit I don't want to throw out the business of what he said because it's not important to the story. And and he may not want it out. I don't know. But he approached us and said, Here's a very specific way I can help. And I love what you're doing. I want I just want to help you build what you're doing. Here's an offer. And Clots and Ibbit and I had to think about it and go, Man, that is really awesome for you to offer. We don't want to hurt your feelings, but we're not ready to to be there um, as a, a show or a company. But please understand we really love the offer, and we will definitely consider you in the future. It wasn't to work with us. is to do something for us that would theoretically help boost the business of what we're doing. And we just realized we weren't ready for that. Then, I mean, he, he, he just kept doing that kind of thing. Chris did. Just kept coming in and saying, oh, here's this cool thing I can help you do. Here's this cool thing. And ultimately, when we decided we are going to build a company and do a network, because we know the show is going to end, but we felt like Klotz, Abbott, and I we had this magic together, we built a company. And Chris just kept helping, never asking to be a part. Never, you guys were and are the Golden Pony boys. <laughs> uh, but he was never, and that's Chris was in the chat room saying that now. But, but the seat at this table, this giant size table, this partnership that was just organic, that's key. It happened naturally. It was never an intent. I always wanted to be bigger, better, better, more. I always was going to be. I mean, I still have the vision of standing on a stadium. I mean, now I have something that I can actually point to. Kevin Hart did his big movie where he sold out a huge arena. That's the vision I've had since I was 12 fucking years old. Was me on a stage, not necessarily by myself, but me on a stage to a sold out arena, sharing who I am and what I, the knowledge and the, the word and the whatever, the creative that I have, and changing people's lives like that. Still have that vision, but never said, okay, when I met Ibit, Ibit, you're my ride. Klotz, you're my ride. You know, it was never, it was here, let's do this little thing. And man, this little thing works so well. And I'll be honest, after I met Ibit, I stopped listening to all his stuff. Because, uh, and now i actually back into listening some, something, but because I knew I had to develop a relationship, and if I listened to how he interacted with other people, I would try to be those other people, and it would be the wrong thing to do. It would, it would never be me, and if it's not me, it's the wrong thing for me to do. That's for you too. If it's not you, it's the wrong thing to do. So I stopped listening to all his other interactions because I knew it would, it would just influence me in the wrong way. So Hibbett and I just really became this team and became friends. Klotz became a part of that team and we became friends and then we became partners and founded this business. And it just became something we never thought about. All of a sudden is the obvious path to take. It was. Literally, Giant Size Team Up came together in one conversation because I'd been thinking about it for six to seven weeks Going, we really should build a company. But I, I these guys were so scattered, so busy. Klotz, I don't know much about his life. I know he's doing this, you know. It, it's I I I know it's the right thing to do, but I hesitate to bring it up because I'm a salesman. I sell things energetically. That's what I was talking about with this other at this con, with this other group where people wanna just because I'm addictive, and I know that people will go, Oh, what you're doing so awesome. And then we get into a mess that we never should have been in because what you're doing is apples and what I'm doing is oranges. And we can say, what you're doing is cool, and what you're doing is cool, but we can't do it together because it doesn't fit. And it was the obvious path. And literally, this one conversation came, and it was like, you know, this this game's going to end – and I really think we should do something different. And Kotz is like, yeah, you know, I was thinking maybe we started a network and we start doing this other thing. And it was like, yeah. And I'm sitting here going, holy shit, really? That just happened because I've been focusing on this for the last six to seven weeks, knowing that's the obvious path, knowing that's the right thing to do, but I didn't want to bring it. Up. And they were thinking it too, and it just became the thing. And then when Chris, when Chris came in and was just adding and helping. And doing, it was the right thing to where ultimately like, why are you not at this table as a partner? Because you act like a partner in a good way. You're stepping up, putting yourself in, sacrificing time with your family, sacrificing sleep to help build this network. He was working with us. He was underneath us. We were the partners and there was him and Mike Woodard. Uh, and then there's Nolan and 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 uh, Carl Dodge. And this way it's kind of ended up being organically set up. And he was doing the stuff like you You deserve to be a partner because you're a partner and you're acting like it because of who you are. And that's the ultimate picture of being at the right table. And sometimes you build the table, right? But getting there is being who you are. And wanting to do more, you have to show the universe who you are and what you can add. I'll, I'll throw out Joe Art here for a minute. At, at The very last panel that we did, Maybe technically even went a panel, it's just a conversation that we have, but everything's listed as a panel in the, the guide. And it was the panel in all panels, right? It's ask a podcast or anything. It's the end of the con. And I was saying, hey, we want this thing for for we want a database for Dragon Con and blah 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 I described it. And he spiked us like, well, I know you know I do your programming this, that, but that's actually what I do. And I'm like, no, I had no clue that you are a database programmer. That changes that that'll get me what I need. Awesome, man. But if you don't share who you are, if you don't put it out, if you if you don't offer like he did, he said, Hey, this is the right place, right time. This is who I am. I'm your solution. Perfect, Joe. Up until that moment it was Joe does some programming stuff and he does Pokemon Go with me. And that's all I know about him. I mean I know he's got family. I know some of his his church life and this and the other but that's all I creatively know about Joe. And I knew a little bit more. So that's, that's the whole idea of the seat at the table, is be who you are. Know who you are. Be hungry, but be hungry for the right thing. You sell yourself short, you'll never make it. You focus on the wrong table, you'll never make it. You focus on how other people respond to you, you'll never make it. You focus on who you are; it'll change everything that you do. I'm going to do that quote here in a second, but it will get you where you want to be, and that's what I've done for the last eight years. Now, yes, I've said I've been in podcasting for 13. The first couple of years, I tried to be everything to everybody. I tried to do what other people wanted. I made partnerships with people that broke because they were bad partnerships. I changed up my shift. I, I, I shit you not. People who are still in my life who see where I am now, who believe in or are, are loving what I do, and they're with me. Hugh Morrison, Angie Pruitt. There was a moment where we're all working together, and they just didn't get it, and they were pushing back on me and saying that. But you know, I just, and I finally, I, I got mad, and because of who I was then. Now I just like, no, 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 I got this. Trust me. Because I was still unsure of my own path. But I knew I had to hold on to who I was with everything I had. And they weren't saying I was wrong. They were saying, we don't understand. We can't see. You're not giving us enough to see. And I finally said, you just have to trust me. You just have to trust me. Because I know where I'm going. I know who I am. And I'm sorry you can't see it. Either hang on for the ride or sit back and watch me go. I don't know how they took it. I know I felt bad saying it that way. But now, they're still both a part of my life in a big way. And now, they see all this stuff that I'm doing. It became, once history was established, it became a little more obvious of where I was going. Once I learned to communicate better who I am, it became more obvious of where I'm going. Sometimes, you have to go it alone before you get to the table. Because the only way you get invited to the table is by being who you are and knowing exactly what you want to do in life. So, the a quote that I alluded to. I'm going to end with here. The quote is, and this is something that was taught to me, that I, I have changed it. somewhat. I have no idea who did the original quote. I've been actually credited with my change of the quote. But honestly, I would love to find out who originally said it. But here's, here's the way I say it. What you do is never who you are. But understanding who you are will change everything that you do. And that was the biggest, one of the biggest changes in words in my life was, and, and I think the original quote goes, "What you do is not who you are." Uh, understanding who you are, something about what you do, because I always said changes everything you do, and they're like, well, that's not quite how it goes. Well, mine's better. It is, mine's better because I took "not" out because fuck "not," you can't not do something. What you do is not who you are. Take a "not" out and just read it. What you do is who you are. Okay, let's change it. What you do is never who you are. Because I've done some really dumb shit in my life. But who I was was a whole different being. And I didn't understand who I was. But learning and understanding who I am changed everything that I did. Remember I started off this show talking about I hated gays? Now I'm one of the biggest proponents of gay marriage because I love humans. And every human should be treated as a human being. Fuck your skin color, fuck your sexual preference, fuck your gender. Nobody gives a shit. Shouldn't. I mean, no, that's not true. People do give a shit, and it's wrong. I don't give a shit. I have no shits given in this. This co- Show me who you are as a creator. Show me who you are as a human being, as a person. And then we'll figure out the rest. I hope that that entertained you. I, I obviously had a lot to say. I, I Man... I loved it. I tried to stay on point. I'm going to do one more episode right after this. So if you're on Facebook, definitely uh, stay in tune for that. And uh, podcast, you can get it again. And this is how this goes now. Hopefully, maybe now, it will actually be more regular. Maybe I'll do it regularly Saturday mornings at roughly 11 a.m. Let's see. It's been an hour. So it looks like I started, yeah, around a little after 11. So, I, But you know, this is my passion. This is my heart. This is my home show. Life gets busy, and there's a lot of commitments I have going on with things. Number one commitment is my wife and my family. So I do a lot of hustles and try to make sure I give them time, and this takes time. But now that I have a Monday through Friday schedule, it makes sense to get up Saturday morning and do the show. So hopefully I'll do more for you going out, and I need to do it for me. Also, 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 Anchor, Anchor app. It's on iOS and Android devices, A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, you can subscribe to my station there, because what I have been doing since it really got pimped out at DragonCon, now, I didn't know about this app as soon as it came out, I got on it, there was nobody there, and I felt like it was a waste of time, because that's the stupid shit I do sometimes, is I feel like things, and it could have been, it could have gone to the wayside, and whatever, or, if I stayed consistent. Maybe I'd have been the king of Anchor, the rock god of Anchor, as it were. But I didn't, and that's how it goes sometimes. But Anchor's it's become strong, and it's got a great community, and it, it posts out in a whole bunch of places that it didn't before. So Anchor is where you'll hear me do five-minute stuff once or twice a day. Sometimes I go a couple of days without doing it, but that's where you'll get your quick thoughts, your quick touch of the rock god, the quick motivation there. And it'll go out on my Facebook page, uh, which is Charles McFall. But also, I share it to the Rock Out of Podcasting on Facebook. It'll go out on my Twitter, which is at Rock Out of Pod. You can find me there. You can email me, rgop at charlesmcfall.com. And that works really well. Uh, Great stuff going on in my life, man. And I'm getting getting places. So, I'm going to go do this next episode. Let me clear all this stuff out. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? And... Thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. I always want more conversation. More, 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 more. Because interactivity is where it's at. And so I'll be inspired by your stories. I'll grow from your own life and your own choices. And honestly, I'd love to hear that something I said helped you on a path or make a choice in your life. Like Laura Depooter tells me all the time, and I appreciate you, Laura, for sharing how, how it will affect your life because we need those creators. All right, until next time, I'm the a Podcasting, man. Go out and love somebody because I love Brian Abbott and Chris Wisdom and Paul Klotz and Mike Woodard and Carl Dodge and, I have to get the, and Nolan Overton. Those people who believe in, in what we're doing and we're building this company. I love my wife and I love you. Let's go out and love somebody.